converting the soul. The word of God is perfect. So we don't need to know, neither do our innocent children need to know about all of the activities that take place. And I'm, I'm telling you, you, you must accept the Bible to be some type of fairy tale if you think that lesbian and homosexual activities in any shape, form, or fashion can fly under the banner of Christianity. I mean, land sakes alive, you've got you to be thinking with a brain that's harder than a rock. And I hear people say, oh, but the beauty of all of this, and, and God just loved. Well, yes, nobody could be saved if God didn't love. But that's beside the point. When you take your transgressions and, and you say, because God loves me, he loves everything I do. You know, there's just there's something drastically wrong. Now, the spirit of Antichrist, Paul says, is in the world today. Jesus also informed us of this. Several of the apostles in their letters to the churches informed us of this. So the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world today. Now, the Antichrist, for maybe some of you who are not acquainted with this uh, term, you see, Jesus, when, when the rapture takes place and the church leaves, there is nothing to hinder uh, evil on the earth. Do you know that? There's nothing to hinder evil on the earth. And these people that say, oh, we freedom from religion. Let me tell you one thing. The world would never be religious free. Okay? See, even the man of sin that will be revealed, the Antichrist that will be revealed after Jesus Christ takes the church out, the only way that he can possibly deceive people, even though these people do not have the support of conviction that comes from God like we have it, the only way he can do that is under the banner of religion. He becomes a false Christ, a false God. These Freedom From Religion foundations, i got news for them. It's not going to be that way. Now, people may be involved in false religion. That statement has no bearing on the truth, but nevertheless, it does have a bearing on the basic psychology and makeup of the human being. That God made us in His image and His likeness, and there is a quest in every man's heart for God. Now, he may seek justification for what he is doing and somehow associate his, his uh, religion with the true God because of this justification, but every man is in quest or in search of God. So when the Antichrist comes, the Bible tells us that he must show himself as God in Second Thessalonians. The second chapter, listen to this. This is after the rapture of the church. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition or sin, the man of sin, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth 
in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now that's the only way that he can wrap the human race around his fingers, so to speak. And of course, you know the, the horrible wrath that comes as a result of the Antichrist. You take a, a number in your forehead or in your hand, the number of the beast, 666. The Antichrist has a false prophet. Notice this, a false prophet, a religious figure working with him. And this is the only way is under the banner of religion. Now, this being true, can't you understand that when homosexuality is so smeared in the face of the public, why it is necessary that hom homosexuals and lesbians hide behind the banner of Christianity? Because if they didn't do it, it wouldn't be accepted. And the sad thing about it is, there's a whole lot of churches that say, they're right. I mean, these people are right. God loves everybody. Well, does he love everybody? Yes. But you can season any lie with a little bit of truth and get a number of people to believe it. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Hath not God said? He said, I can't eat of the forbidden fruit. And the devil said, Hath not God said? In other words, he linked his lie with a precious truth. Most deception, listen to me, most deception has within its general content a measure of truth. Don't you ever forget I said that. And what happens is that people focus in on the truth of it and they fail to look at the entire content of that lie. Now, because of that, you can pretty much do anything you want to and justify it. Because inasmuch that everybody... The human race, somehow they want God. Guess what happens? When they sin and they will not repent of that sin, they try to justify that sin or find appeasement for that sin because that is the only way that God can be compatible with sin. This is the reason why that the Bible teaches the blood, justification by faith. In other words, a man sins, he feels guilty, he confesses the sin, and the Lord takes that sin away and makes him just as if he had never sinned. So even to the sinner who is repentant, he seeks justification for himself. However, he knows that full justification cannot come unless he fully confesses and forsakes that sin but some people all they do is just seek the justification so they seek the justification they do what they want to and because that God is involved in the content someplace they feel good about it now, there's some major religions in America today that consist of listen to me 
consist of Old Testament law, New Testament Christianity, and a lot of paganism. All you have to do is just search it out in the Scripture, and then Old Testament, New Testament, and then go to the library and look into the pagan practices around the days in which Jesus lived. And you will find that some of the major religions today. Now, because that man seeks for justification, it makes him a prime target for the spirit of Antichrist that's in the world today. Deception, which comes through compromise. Now, what we want to do is turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel, the 7th chapter, verse 25, and, and we, we, we look at the Antichrist and what the Antichrist uh, will promote when he is turned loose on the planet Earth. Now, he may be alive today. Nobody really knows who it is. He will not be revealed to the human race until such a time that the rapture takes place. And, oh, I want to be in the rapture. I want to leave this world. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Now, in Daniel 7:25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High. Now, how do you speak against God? Now, the Antichrist is going to be smart enough not to st- stand up and say, There is no God! That's not what he's going to do. He's going to take the Bible the precious word of the Lord, and he will speak contrary to it by twisting Scripture. Peter talks about people who twist the Scripture. Like one man, he went and robbed a bank. And so when he was caught, he was asked, why did you rob the bank? He said, well, I found it in the Bible. He said, how did you find that in the Bible? Well, all he did was he just changed the comma in the Scripture. He that steals, steal no more, working with his hands. He, he, this is how he, he interpreted it. He said, he that steals, steal. No more working with his hands. <laughs> Boy, he turned that around, didn't he? <laughs> he just changed the location of the commas. Like the man going down the road and and and... and and the, the police officer pulled him over and said, you just made a U-turn. He said, uh, I, I, I know. And I, I, I wasn't planning on it. He said, but, but the sign back there says, no U-turn. He said, well, he said, I wasn't planning on turning. But all of a sudden I looked up and it says, no U-turn. So he said, I stopped and I turned. <clears throat> I'm sorry that this is going over some people's heads. <laughs> I mean, this is deep teaching, you know. <laughs> okay, so what he's going to do, he's going to speak words against the Most High. How do you speak words against the Most High? Well, as I said before, well, this isn't an acceptable lifestyle. This is true. I mean, God loves everybody. He doesn't care anything about what your sexual orientation is. Now listen to this. And because that he has the ability to twist the scripture, the Bible says, and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High God. In other words, that constant, continual pressure. 
Now let me just tell you how this works. All right. Your child comes to you and says, can I go over to Susie's house today? And you said, no, you can't go over to Susie's house. She comes back and says, can I go to Susie's? I want to go to Susie's. You told me last week I probably could, but I didn't tell you you could. And finally, you're, you know, you're busy. You say, well, go ask your dad. So the child goes and asks the dad, can I go over to Susie's? Well, what did mom say? Well, she said it didn't really make her. I mean, she obviously doesn't care, you know. She 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 sent me here. So mother doesn't care. Did she say she didn't care? Well, you know. So, so you kind of pick up on this line of logics by saying, well, she wouldn't make the decision, so obviously she doesn't care. You didn't take into consideration that she was worn down, pestered, and busy. So you say, well, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, if mom doesn't care, so she runs back to mom and say, dad said he didn't care if you didn't care. I mean, he actually said it's okay. Well, yeah, he said if you didn't care, it's, it's all right. And you get to think about how tired you are and how, you know, man, it would just be nice to not have the kids around this afternoon. I'm telling you, these kids can wear you out. Now, we got some kids in here. You listen to me. Now, you're professionals at wearing out parents. <clears throat> but you see, this, this, is the way, this is the way the world works on the Christian. That every time you turn around, you're being questioned about some stand that you've made for godliness and holiness and truth. And they and people say, you mean that? I mean, why this? Well, because, and after a while, it's not, after a while, it's, well, the Bible teaches, it's not that. After a while, it's, well, our pastor tells us. And after a while, well, my husband says, or my wife says. One of the most precious couples that I ever pastored. All of a sudden, the man got these funny ideas. His father was instantly killed in a uh, car wreck, and his father had not been filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, we had baptized him in Jesus' name. And, and so this man, who had just made a very strong stand uh, about the new birth, that when his father was, was killed in this car wreck, you know, he, he came to me and talked with me. He said, you know, uh, my my dad never received the Holy Ghost. And then he came back later and said, I wonder if a person can be saved without the Holy Ghost. Well, I, I had a precious sister in the church that came to me and said, you know, I had a dream about this. And, and I dreamed that this brother, I don't know why, she said, I just woke up. I dreamed that this brother compromised his position on a new birth because... This bothered him so much about his dad's salvation. Now, whenever I talk about pressure, you have to understand one thing, my friend. It's not as simple as as going over to Susie's house. I'm talking about something that that is 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 charged with real life. I'm talking about something that's very difficult. I'm talking about something that that you don't 
really have the answer to. I'm talking about situations that can stack up that, that causes you to want to be different. I'm talking about something that, I mean, you have to be rooted in, when the Bible talks about being rooted and grounded in the faith. I mean, we're talking about more than just clapping our hands and acting like Pentecostals. We're talking about something that, that's life-changing, that leaves an indelible effect upon us, that we, that we are sold out. Let me tell you, when the Bible says we become new creatures, it's lock, stock, and barrel all the way. It has to be that way. So, so after a while, he, he came in and he said, well, i tell you what, I, I think maybe we need to change churches. And, and he questioned holding the standards and, and everything. So I talked with his precious wife, and she said, well, she said, no, I don't see it the way he does. But, uh, and so I, I questioned him about, about his parents. He, he, he kind of laughed at me and said, oh, I would never change because of, I mean, I can't affect what dad did or didn't do, I can affect whether dad is saved or isn't saved. That's true. But you can affect how you think about it. So I saw the, the sister, after they had stopped coming to church, I saw the sister sometime later, and and I talked with her, and she said, well, she said, you know, he was right. He, he was right. Well, you see, you know, you live in the same house where there's just a constant negative voice against truth. Now, you have to have your mind made up that you're going to stand. I mean, just this every day. It's not an all-out war. It's not an all-out fight. It's just every day, just a little word here, a little word there, a little word here, a little word there. And after a while, after a while, it's. Uh, and here's one that I've heard. Listen to me. Well, I know Brother Grant. You know, he wouldn't be happy with this. But Brother Grant's not God. Well, I've heard that from two or three different people. I've heard it recently. Does it bother you? I feel sorry for anyone that would seek justification whether where I'm involved or not. Beside the point. Now we're talking about don't giving don't give in. The spirit of compromise. So the Antichrist, he will wear out the saints, and of course he will think to change times and laws, and they should be given into his hand until a time and the times and the dividing of times. But by the Bible says, but God still, God still retains, he holds on to judgment. So, you know, the, the truth of the matter is it doesn't make any difference what Brother Grant says. It doesn't make any difference what your dad says, what your mom says. It doesn't make any difference what grandfather said or grandmother said. It's what God says. Now, <clears throat> the thing that I think that's important for me to point out is that when this constant pressure is there, this is when we definitely need this, this refuge, this reprieve. We, we need this time of resting in God. That's the point in, in which we have a relationship with God that's, that's, that's not 
spiritual warfare. It, 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 it's this time that, that, that rests me, that, that refreshes me, and, and gives me the courage for the spiritual warfare. I mean, you know, if, if you just worked around the clock 24 hours a day without sleeping, you wouldn't last very long, would you? And the person that tries to, to go into spiritual warfare 24 hours a day without resting in God will become fatigued and, 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 and he will be not weary in well-doing, the Scripture says. Repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When times of refreshing shall come from the presence of God. Maybe I'm talking to someone that's under tremendous pressure. And maybe I'm talking to someone that has developed an appetite for the things of the world. Now you listen to me very carefully. The only way that you can break the appetite for the things of the world is to develop a tremendous appetite for the things of God. Why? Because your soul needs sustenance as much as your body. Now, I'm, I don't want to say looking forward. I, I wouldn't want you to think that I... I'm so set on going out and eating after this service, but I'll probably go out and eat after this service. We usually do on Sunday. You know, so we'll, we'll go out and sit down someplace and eat a bite. You know, I've been trying to lose weight, but you people won't let me. <laughs> I have lost. I've lost 27 pounds, you know. Feeling real good. You know what you have to do? You got to change your eating habits. Because if you stay, if you call, if you call, if you say this is a diet, there's something about the psychology of dieting that says, "Boy, when I break this, I'm going to break it, friend." This is the reason why you, you know, you see some of these bean poles, and 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 they they have lost so much weight, and then you you see them a couple of years later, and they look like blimps again. And they're up and down, they're up and down, they're up and down. So I just decided, I'm not going on a diet. So I want to tell you, all of you, I'm not on a diet. Now, there's certain things I don't eat, though. But the right kind of food, I'm just eating as much as I want to. And sometimes I just pig out. And what are you saying? It's that same way. You know, you don't feed your soul on hamburgers and Kentucky Fried Chicken. But you can feed your soul. You can feed your soul on garbage from the world. You can. And if you feed your soul on garbage from the world, you will damn your soul to hell. But you can feed your soul on precious things, valuable things, things that are constructive. You know, I don't know. It just, you know, there's there's a few things that... Let me just point, make some statements. I'm talking about, you know, I'm, I'm treading on thin ice. I'm cutting the fine line. I might as well just go all the way. But doesn't this, doesn't this bother you when, when you hear someone say, well, it's a good thing I got the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you one thing. I went up to that man and said, it's a good thing I've got the Holy Ghost. Five years ago, I would have flattened you out. 
<laughs> you ever hear that one? <clears throat> then someone said, you know, i tell you where he went wrong when he killed that lady. Now this is what I would have done. I figured this out. Well, right down the line. I said, dear me. If I ever get ready for a crime, I'm going to hire you. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you follow what I'm saying? Is that, that, that what happens is you get caught up in this sneaking thinking. You know. And, and truthfully, that, that doesn't enhance good character much, does it? No. It sure doesn't. You know, we, we just, you know, you just... Jesus talked about the origin of sin. You can't see. First, there's the letdown inside of your soul because you begin to feed your soul, and, and there's voices that come around. The spirit of Antichrist, this pressure, and you begin to listen to this, and you you try to understand their line of logic. Let me tell you something. I know enough about the Bible to know that that I don't even want to sit down and understand the line of logic with putting homosexual couples and families in Hawthorne Library. There is a time when you got to get God do your thinking. And I've even had, I've had well-meaning people who have walked with God, and after a while they'd come and say, you know, Brother Grant, isn't it, it it's okay to do your own thinking, isn't it? I said, well, hold, hold it just a minute. Now, what are you talking about? I, I want to know what you're talking about. And they go into this line of logic. I said, wait a minute. I don't know that you're doing your own thinking. You know, now th- this is going to shock some of you, but I'm not for sure that a human being is it is possible, that is, when there's influence that you can't see with your eyes, to totally do your own thinking in anything. Now, <clears throat> I made the statement, if, if you don't like that, I guess the burden of proof's on you. Because, <laughs> I mean, you're dealing with intangibles, and it would be pretty hard to prove otherwise, wouldn't it? But I, I do know, that I do I do know that that it's possible one time to think one way and the next you know you, you you think back and forth back and forth back and forth and and if you dwell on this and and if you follow the leading of your heart sometimes when I say the leading of the heart I'm talking about the desires of the flesh maybe I shouldn't say the leading of the heart you follow the desires of the flesh and you begin to justify you begin to think uh, after a while you feel that pressure that pressure that pressure that pressure that pressure after a while you're totally committed to it. You know, in Christian stewardship, we have a, a Christian stewardship class going on right now. And I just hammer away at keeping your priorities straight. Now, if you don't find that refuge in God, I mean, at that place of prayer when you're in deep communion with God, you can't keep your priorities straight. I don't care who you are. You cannot. And every person that I pastor that has problems worshiping God, problems being spiritual, it's because you have a priority problem. In other words, you will find that some of the people that have the most problem praying and worshiping, and you may say, oh, Brother Grant, well, listen, as a pastor, I I have to be aware of what people are doing. Now, you may accuse me of being judgmental or whatever. I don't care. Okay? I know what my job description is. I found it in the Bible. 
Now you can put any kind of phrases, sentences, accusation, anything you want to on that. But I don't read that. I just read what I find in the Bible. All right? Now, when, when I see people that are struggling and worshiping and everything, you'll find out one thing, that they're usually obsessed with something that's extracurricular. In other words, as saints of God begin to worship, this person is equally sold out in other areas. See, Paul says, I became a fool for Christ's sake. Show me your priority and I'll show you the area in which you are foolish in. Now Paul said, we're not foolish because we serve Christ, but he's using that analogy. That everybody, everybody is involved with something and everybody has a top priority. Now, organization of your life, priorities, goals. I talk a lot about goals on an individual basis to people. And then, of course, planning or action. Those are the three key words in organizing your life. You've got to get your priorities straight. You have to have certain goals to make sure that those priorities are achieved and that they stay in that order. And then... There must be a plan of action. Now, those priorities are established in that deep communion with God. Now, let me let me show you what happens, okay? Here, here's what happens. I, I, I think I've recently made a statement about this. Priorities. Now, some people are great dreamers. And they got these dreams, these dreams, these dreams, these dreams. These dreams. And they're always dreaming. Did you know, however, that with every dream that you have, there must be the proper discipline to see the fulfillment of that dream? And if there is not enough discipline to fulfill that dream, do you know what's going to happen to you? You will become discontent and dissatisfied and disgruntled in life. So it's okay, you know, to dream, but you got to wake up. You just can't sit around dreaming all the time. Why? Because very few things are accomplished in life through dreams. Without a vision, the people perish. So you, you have to be visionary, but there has to be enough personal discipline to accomplish. And this is the reason why you need goals. I mean, if you if you... Let's say you're called to the ministry. You want to be a preacher. And so you dream about becoming a Billy Graham to the world. Huge coliseums packed full. People being slain in the spirit. Cancers dropping off. Thousands of people receiving the baptismal Holy Ghost. What are you going to do about this? I don't know where to get started. Well, you don't get started by renting a coliseum. That's not how you get started. And the reason why that most people never get started is because while they have these great dreams, there is this pressure against the person 
This is a battle we're involved in. Do you know that? Have you ever come to church and just really got a blessing? And when you reflected back, when you reminisced, you, you thought, Oh, you know, I didn't even want to come to church tonight. I was so tired. And now I feel so great. Why does it always get tired right before church? Why do you do that? Why is it before church? It's almost like, like you know, like you, you, you go into your computer and you put in a different program. And all of a sudden there's something else coming out on the screen. And you think about all these things. It's not going to hurt for me to miss tonight. You know, it's uh, this is just one night out of 52 weeks in the year. Pastor Grant's going to be up saying the same thing over again next week. He just goes over the same old thing over. And I know all that stuff. I've been through Christian stewardship and I've been, you know, and this is the way we start thinking. We think, oh, well, not only that, you know. He also teaches that you need to pay your bills and I can't work these long hours and keep the yard mowed and everything like, like that. So you decide not to come to church. Now, all of a sudden somebody rings your phone and uh, it's not someone involved in church and they say, we'd like to come over tonight. We, we got a few new games and things so they come over to your house. You, you let them come over to your house. You look at your watch and you say, man, we got to go to bed. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. i got to work tomorrow. Too tired to go to church, see? The spirit of compromise. Is it possible to establish priorities and mean business with it and just keep it that way? Yes, it is. But I do put a little addendum to this only if you stay in deep communication with God. You've got to find that place of rest. You've got to feed your soul in His presence. You have to have an appetite for spiritual things. It, it takes a deep understanding of God. And it's that deep understanding of God and that appreciation for God that gives you the best defense you can possibly have. There are times when I, I, I get involved in such a battle myself, you know. I, I begin to think, you know, April 15, 1961, the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. I had a stomach ulcer, a bleeding ulcer. I couldn't eat anything. I'm serious with you. Sister Grant would pack my lunchbox and, and take my, which I used to have coffee in it, and that's full of Maalox. <sighs> Can you imagine a bologna sandwich with Maalox? I've been down that road, Rich. I know what it's all about. I said, I can't eat a thing without this stuff. And the doctor would give me, a, had all these kind of pills and everything, you know. I was smoking cigarettes and I, I had this burning sensation. They ran all kinds of tests and they said, you know what? You have a hole that's eaten all the way through your stomach, high up in your stomach. When you inhale these cigarettes, smoke is going through that 
and getting in the cavity outside of your lungs and, and your whole diaphragm is inflamed. I walked before the mirror and I looked in the mirror and my skin's all blotching and it's yellow. I feel like I'm dying. Now, you see, when the Lord saved me, I was just such a confused mess. Let me tell you something. He's never done me any wrong. There have been times in which the devil's pushed me all the way back to that April 15th, 1961 date. But I always hold on to that. Always reach out and grab the horns of the altar and say, this is as far as I'm going. Because I know what he's done for me. I found this out. I've lived for God long enough to experience this. It's hard to live for God easy. But it's easy. To live for God hard. Come unto me all of you that labor. And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take. My yoke upon you. And learn of me. I am meek and lowly. He says. My yoke is easy. And my burden. Is light. When you fully harness yourself with Jesus, the yoke goes around the head of the oxen, see. What he's saying is, when you fully team up with Jesus, you know what he's going to do? He's going to make sure that you walk alongside with him. But you know something else he's going to do? He's saying, all you have to do is be committed. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And what he's saying is, I'll, I don't want to use the word cheat. It's not a good word when you think of God, is it? I'll fudge a little bit. I'll pull the load. You get tired. I'll keep pulling. But you got to stay in the harness with me. When things get tough, I'll pull more than my share. I've heard people say, you got to meet God halfway. Well, that may be where you meet him, but I'll tell you, it doesn't stay 50-50. If you'll be fully committed, you'll find out later on it's about 99% God and about 1% you. But I'll tell you, I've reversed this. been times, I'm sorry to say, in which I, I sought the easy route. You know, the easy route gets to be so hard. Doesn't the Bible say the way of the transgressor is the hard way? It's really hard to be a liar, you know. Why? Because you can never remember what you said. You end up telling the same story ten different ways to ten different people. It's hard to be a cheater, you know. You get that in your system to the point that you just you, you cheat on anybody. It's hard to be honest. But on the other hand, it's harder not to be. Do you know that? In other words, it takes a certain amount of discipline to be honest, but 
the truth of the matter is when, when you're when you're honest about things and you're above board and, and people know how you're thinking and what where you're coming from, you just feel so clean and so good about it. No. Well, I must close. I want to close with first Peter five verse seven and eight. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Listen to this. Be sober. Be vigilant. What do you think the word vigilant means? It actually means be alert and be watchful. Well, we have all kinds of white-tailed deer around our, our place. Uh, you know, I, I just read a report from the DNR. They're thinking about the expansion of the deer uh, season and such, and you're getting too many deer. And they said one thing that civilization has not affected is the white-tailed deer. Now, I come from Texas. We've got a lot of white-tailed deer down there. We also have a lot of cockroaches. And I remember reading an article in the paper one time. Then I heard this not too long ago in an instructional video that someone had about white-tailed deer hunting. This hunter said, the last two things that will survive on the planet Earth will be the white-tailed deer and the cockroach. <clears throat> when everything else is dead and gone, there's still going to be white-tailed deer and cockroaches. Now, you know, the thing about it is, well, you have to watch. These deer will come up to your house and eat your trees down. I've planted trees twice, and, and, and they just eat all the, the, the pine trees. They just, they just eat. And you know what, what I found out they'll do? They'll come right up, but they're very, boy, they're watchful. They'll take a bite, and they, they put those ears up, and they look around. And then they'll take another bite, and they'll look around. I take another bite and I'll look around. I found this out too, that I can go out my back door and get in my car and not pay them any attention. And you know what happens? They just keep eating. But the moment you make eye contact with them, they know it. And that's a threat to them. All I have to do is just look up. Now I've tried this. Sister Grant will tell you, she's trying. You can actually look up and look in their direction, but not look at them. They know when you make eye contact. And we figure this out by working with our horses. That, that a young colt, if you make eye contact with him and he's not halter broke, he's going to run. But it's amazing how you can walk up looking at his feet and he'll just let you. And you know the devil doesn't always openly confront you. It's not always an eye contact confrontation. It's like the cat that's after a mouse, you know. He just slips through and he's not looking at the mouse. And the mouse thinks he's no place around or he's not paying any attention. And would you believe he's so close that all of a sudden he pounces? He's got it. I saw our cat one time, this was last summer, go out, crawl up underneath the tractor. There was a little bird on a little implement near the tractor. Must have been three feet away. And this cat walked out there, crawled up underneath the tractor, fooled around, and would you believe that all of a sudden that cat made one pounce. Now, he did not catch that bird. I was praying for the bird. <laughs> I mean, we got all kinds of cat food. They don't need those birds. 
But would you believe he literally batted that bird down. That bird was in the air and he boom, And that bird fell and he was all over it. And the, the little bird, because of my prayers, I'm sure, escaped. <laughs> little cat, we have the name of mischief. And I was screaming, mischief, mischief, mischief. Same time, go, 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 in Jesus' name, get out of here, bird. <laughs> While some of these stories are funny, the thing about it, though, is that we're living real life. And you need to be sober, you need to be vigilant, because your adversary, listen to me, your adversary is the devil. And he seeketh whom he may devour. He is likened unto a lion. The Bible says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. I mean, if you're going through something this morning and you just you're having monumental problems with the devil, you need to just step out and say, I'm putting my foot down, and that's it. I'm not giving. This is it. This is as far as I'm going to go back. Praise God. Would you stand with me at this time? Oh, hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost in this place today. <clears throat> oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Are you glad you're on the Lord's side? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, in deep communion with the Lord, let's sing a, a chorus. I don't know what our praise singers had planned on singing. You have one? Let's sing, Here's My Cup, Lord. I lift it up. And, and listen, whatever you do this morning, would you just forget about momentarily the devil? You hear me? Watch to make sure that our flesh doesn't rise up, stand in the way. We just need to lift up our cup, and we need to just nestle ourselves real close to the feet of Jesus. And we need to say, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me. Here's my cup, Lord. Take your hands. Let's make a cup. I lift it up.